Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Be Better Tomorrow podcast. I am your host, Jason Fisher, and I am so glad you have joined us today. This is really the first episode of our new format where I'm going to be taking you through some of the things that I've been learning along my path and my journey here. Hopefully, they'll be able to help you as well. I think they will if I've written this whole show so that they will help you. Uh, that's the whole point. So if there's things you'd like to hear covered, things you'd want to know more about, go ahead and hit me up at BeBetterTomorrow.com so we can answer those questions for you so I can look up what people are interested in, maybe do some research and write a whole show just for you. And in the meantime, wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you can hear everything that we have coming out. And it makes me feel very happy when I look at statistics and see that people are listening. So thanks a lot. Today, we're going to be covering the curse of knowledge. If you've never heard of it before, it's a really interesting concept and applies in a lot of different ways. So pay attention. The curse of knowledge is a cognitive bias that occurs when communicating with other individuals. You assume that they know everything that you know, or you assume that your knowledge is common knowledge in your area of expertise. So if you're a teacher, a professor, or a lecturer, a public speaker, really anything, parent, um, you are communicating with someone who doesn't know as much as you do, but assuming that they have that knowledge. So it's called the curse of of knowledge because that curse actually hinders you from being able to effectively communicate with people. Here's an example. I actually learned this term from a guy named Brian Brushwood who runs a YouTube channel called Scam School. He's one of my favorite magicians of all time. Check him out. He was telling the story of a magic trick that he had learned when he was a kid. And so since he learned it when he was a kid, he assumed that everybody would have learned it as a kid or that it was a childish magic trick, despite the fact that it's a really solid trick. He was resistant to perform it live or even on his show, Scam School. He'd put it off for years. Finally, somebody suggested that he do it, and he did it in a special stump uh, person episode and explained this curse of knowledge. Now, this curse had prevented him from using this piece of magic for, I mean, he's about my age, so 30 years. 30 years he moved on without doing this. But here's, let me help you where it may affect in your life, even if you're not a teacher or a facilitator or a public speaker, something along those lines. You have a gift. There is something that you are good at that other people are amazed by. And you will often brush it off as nothing because it is commonplace to you. You are cursed with the knowledge or skill that you have and you take it for granted. I'll be honest, and I don't say this to be arrogant or cocky or anything. I'm a really good public speaker. I know that because people tell me that all the time. And I often assume they've just never seen anybody really good. They just haven't seen somebody perform at a really high level before. So what they're seeing, they're impressed by, but I'm not really that impressive. Because it comes to me very naturally. But I wasn't born with it. Even saying that it comes naturally is kind of a misnomer. I wasn't born with this ability to stand up in front of people and perform and present and communicate. I have honed that ability over 40 years. Well, I probably didn't start talking to us once. So 39 years. I have 20 to 30 years of stage experience performing as an actor in various you know, amateur roles, nothing professional. But I, I have 30 to 40 years of performing for friends. See, when I get around a group of people, I'm, I was often in a group of other performers. And the way we communicated and engaged with one another was to tell stories. And we would tell the same stories, 
not all the time, but you'd often come back to a story and you honed the way you performed it, much like a stand-up comedian gets up, does their time, and hones their performance and their joke. But because I've done this for so long, there are things that I do intuitively, instinctively, that other people don't understand, and so to them, it seems really impressive. Here's an example. In my stage experience, I learned about cheating to the audience. Now, I don't even know if that's the real formal term. If you have a degree in drama, Cameron, you can let me know. When you're having a conversation on stage one-on-one, let me say this. When you're having a conversation with a person one-on-one, you look at that person's face. You look in their eyes. Your eyes don't wander around. But if you're in the audience watching two people have a conversation face-to-face and looking at each other, it's really weird and awkward. So as a performer, you start the conversation facing your co-actor, and then in the middle of the conversation, like I'm doing now, I would pan and look and really talk to the audience, and then before I'm done, to finish my sentence, I swing back around and I face my, my partner. Now that looks really weird when you stop to think about it, but in the audience, that makes you feel like you're a part of the conversation. That's something I learned to do because one of my first directors instructed me on how to cheat to the audience like that. And it just became part of how I performed. And then, so I did it first directedly, then I did it intuitively, and now I do it instinctually. Because it is sunk down into the core of my being. Now, if I were to go and not examine myself and try to teach something to somebody else, I may assume they have that knowledge. Or I may not even recognize the steps. And so then I'm like, why does that look weird? What's going on? And I'd have to think about it and move forward. I examine myself so much all the time anyway. I'm always thinking about why things worked and why things didn't work. Drives my wife crazy. That's why I've become a decent public speaking coach. Actually a really good one, but I didn't want to brag. Because I've I thought about why these things work and how they work and how to apply acting skills to presentations and how to apply just any of the other audience control and management skills that I've learned over the years to presentations and performance. But the point of all of this is there's something in your wheelhouse, in your toolbox, that's really important. But because you're good at it, you may assume that everyone else is good at it too. Maybe it's how you talk to people. Maybe you have a natural way to stand in front of people, even one-on-one, and, and lead and show them that you care and build influence and support them and give them psychological safety. Maybe it's the way you can do certain things on a spreadsheet. You know, sometimes I, I work with a lot of consultants and they do things that are like simple, two seconds, this thing's done, and clients are amazed. Not because it's really a you know, if they watched them do the, do the thing, they wouldn't be amazed because it took them 30 seconds. But because the outcome looks so amazing, they're amazed. And consultants are just like, why are these people impressed by this thing? This was so simple. It's because they don't realize it was so simple. Have you ever heard the people talk who are, uh, maybe they're self-employed. I hear it from developers a lot. You know, yeah, it only took me 30 minutes to do that thing, but it took me 10 years to learn how to do it in 30 minutes. You're not paying me for the 30 minutes. You're paying me for the 10 years. What's your 10-year experience? What's the thing that you do that you're really good at 
that you brush off all the time and don't think is important because it's your skill. Everyone else's skills are important, but not yours. Ladies and gentlemen, if we can understand what that is and start to use it, start to acknowledge that it is important, which it's a, there's a whole psychological issue to determining that your little piece of the pie is important because, we again, we brush it off and assume that it's not. We'll get into that in another show. But if you can find what that is and you can bring it to the service and understand that it's important and start to use it in your personal and professional career, maybe start teaching it to others, you will definitely learn how to be better tomorrow. All right, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I'd love to hear your feedback. Like I said, this is the first time we're trying this new format. I always love feedback, positive and constructive. Um, So tell me I did a great job, but tell me what I could do better. Go ahead and like, share, and subscribe to the show. You can subscribe to us at BeBetterTomorrow.com on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, wherever fine quality podcasts are found. And until next time, I hope you're doing something today to be better tomorrow.